This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Cripple Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello friends, welcome to a brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. My name is Andrew Gerza, I am your disability awareness consultant, your crippled content creator, I am your bestest, sexiest disabled friend, I'm your disabled boyfriend, and I am the host of the show, and I cannot wait to talk sex and disability with you today, so let us get started. I'm recording this just before Christmas time, and you will hear it just after Christmas time, but I hope that wherever you are, you're getting cozy, you're comfortable, you're feeling yourself, you're as sexy as possible, and you're ready to get down and talk about sex and disability. But first things first, I want to give a shout out to one of our new Patreons. I got a Patreon pledge from Daniel Orion Guerrera last week. Um, and that was awesome. Daniel, you are the Orion to my stars. Thank you so much for pledging $1 a month. It means so much. I really appreciate it. And what Daniel gets for pledging $1 a month is he gets early access to all the episodes. He gets bonus episodes of When I Was a Disabled Kid. He gets bonus interviews with guests when I have them. All those things for as little as $1 a month. So if you want to do that, you can head over to patreon.com slash content and pledge $1 or more a month and get those bonus things. And then I'm looking to do other things with the, with the Patreon in 2019. Don't you worry, but your pledge helps the show go. It helps offset the podcast server fees. Uh, it, it allows me to live and have a little bit of, a bit of pocket change for the show. So I appreciate it if it's possible. Pledge. If not, please spread the word. Uh, but so yeah, now let's get started. On the show today, we have an awesome interview with a good, good friend of mine who has written a book, he's been a columnist, he's worked in Hollywood, and guess what? He also has cerebral palsy, and he's also super gay. And so we sit down with my friend Ryan O'Connell, and we talk about his brand new show, all about sex, queerness, and disability, which I can't remember the name of it right now, but he says it in the show. Um, we also sit down and we talk about wanting boys to ask us out. We talk about sex work. We talk about relationships. We talk about 
disability, activism, all these things come out in the show, this episode. It was really fun because I know Ryan, through the work we do, when he came out with his book called I'm Special a couple years ago, people were like, wow, have you, have you seen this guy? He's queer and disabled and he's writing about that stuff. Have you seen him? And so we've always been on each other's radar. And so to sit down with him again is such a pleasure. So it was like sitting down with an old friend and kind of having a kiki and just having a chat, and that's what we did. And so um, I'm not going to ramble on anymore. I'm going to get right to the interview. With this interview, though, I realized after listening to it that he um, wasn't wearing headphones, so there's a bit of bleed-through from his side, so the audio might sound a bit choppy at parts. I did my best to fix it, but I'm not an audio editor, and I don't have a team of audio people behind me, but I tried. So uh, let me know if it's okay, and... I hope you enjoy my interview with Ryan O'Connell right here on Disability After Dark. So, uh, I, I, I'm just, it's so, just so nice to talk to you again because it's been forever. I know, I know. How's Toronto? Uh, cold. It's yeah. November. It's the middle of November, so it's like just started snowing last week. Oh, it's, that's a troll. It, I hate that for you. Yeah, I know. As a wheelchair user, I'm like, why is snow? Why does snow have to be a thing? Oh, God. No, I mean, but I mean, I feel like before you were in the burbs, though. Now you're like in the big city. You're a city girl now. I'm so a does city it- girl. I mean, I mean, yeah, I guess so. I'm still a homebody that like that is in bed by nine o'clock and is like <laughs> wants to sleep. Yeah. yeah. My dreams of, of disabled dick domination never took hold. It's all right. Uh, honey, it's a long, that's a long, that's a long con, I feel like. You know what I mean? That's a long game. It's true. You know what I mean? I have hit the record button. Okay. So the audience gets to hear that awesome, oh, <laughs> that awesome banter, because that was fun. So, <laughs> Ryan O'Connell, I am chuffed to have you on the sh- I'm trying British slang, I don't know if that works. Love that. No, let's, like, this is a free space, a safe space. Right, I'm just trying shit out. I'm chuffed to have you on the show. Uh, you and I have, well, you've been on other iterations of things I've done. So yeah. I feel like this is just a continuation of our conversations in the world. But uh, yeah. you're awesome because you do things around disability and you provide disability like awareness in a really cool way. That is, I'm just excited because you do disability aware- you do disability stuff in in like entertainment, and then yes. and then not. Yes. Well, there's like a big gaping hole. I mean, I feel like, um, okay, I just walked right into that one, actually. You really, you really did. <laughs> that was really, I, I'm better than that. I'd like to think that I'm better than that. Um, no, I mean, it, there's, there's, you know, it's very frustrating working in Hollywood. And, you know, for all the talk of diversity and representation, which is great, there's still such a long way to go. It's like not even funny. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, we, we have, we're, we're not, we're just, we haven't even scratched the surface. Like we're looking at the surface being like, yeah, I guess we could do stuff, but we're not there yet. Um, yeah. Did you, did you see, there was this big thing on variety, like a big feature on disability. I think that was sponsored by Easter Seals. So it was like, spon- it was like weird. It was like, sponsored content Did they, but just, like, they just put it out like a day and a half ago right or something yeah yeah it was yeah. super yeah and it's just like i'm happy i'm happy that this is happening and i'm happy that my show is coming out at a time where there hasn't been much conversation and i'm happy to be the one to, to like continue the conversation or whatever hopefully take it to a different place but um i'm just so fucking impatient and i'm so annoyed by yeah, everybody I saw your tweets the other day you were not you were very upset 
I'm so annoyed. I'm so annoyed because I'm just not sad. Like, I just feel like, well, you know, obviously I was subtweeting that show Speechless on ABC. Yeah. Um, and the thing with Speechless, well, full disclosure, I actually went out for a job on that, like, like years ago when it first started. And, um, like, the, the showrunner is really nice. It's actually based on his brother's story, his brother's yeah, disabled. Yeah, I have, a, um, I have a couple friends that do some consulting stuff there. Right, but it's, like, also just, like, frustrating because I feel like in the first season, I know they have a disabled person there now, but I feel like the first season they didn't. And it's just, it's frustrating for me because it's, like, you would never have a show with, like, a black lead and not have a black person in the writer's room. In terms of race, people are, like, understanding, like, oh, shit, we need actual voices of what that we're trying to write about. Yeah. <laughs> Mall. But I feel like, like, disability, it's like we've been so ignored and we're so invisible that it's like you can sell a show starring us and then not even think to include us, which is just, like, bone-chilling to yeah, me. Yeah, no, totally. Okay, you're going off on awesome rants, but nobody who's listening knows who you are. So... <laughs> Let's start from the beginning. Hi, your name is Ryan O'Connell. Who are you? What do you do? Oh, uh, I'm yeah, Ryan O'Connell. I'm a I'm a TV slash film writer. I guess yes, that's what I am. Amazing. <laughs> so so, why I love your stuff is because you kind of like jumped on the scene really a couple years ago. And the way that I found out about you is you wrote a book about mm-hmm. your life as a person with cerebral palsy. Yeah, and being gay and being disabled, and, and everybody that I knew was like, "Oh my god, have you read this? Like, this guy is you. Like, read this book." And I was like, "All right, cool, like, okay." And then, so, like, that's how I heard about you. And then we started talking, and I was like, "You're the coolest person ever. Why are we best friends?" So, um, I wanted to have you on the show because I love the fact that you're in, you're in LA, LA. Yes, you're in LA doing. Mm-hmm. You're trying to make disability and sexuality a thing we see on screen, and we see more mainstream and all that. And so I want to get into all of that. But you, when I pitched you coming on today, you sent me some really, you sent some deep cuts about some stuff you wanted to talk about. Like when you sent, when you sent back what you wanted to talk about, I was like, whoa, that got really deep, really fast. All right. Well, I mean, I live there. I live in the deep cut. I live in the deep cut. I'm, That's just, yeah. I'm so therefore that, I think I just found the title of the episode for today. Uh, so <laughs> um, I said, hey, what do you want to talk about? And your very first thing was like, I want to talk about the longing and the like, the the loneliness of being like queer and disabled, and I want to talk about all that stuff. So let's jump right in. Sure. Um, and my question that I wrote down officially, pretending to know what I'm doing, is, uh, so real. I mean, just tell me about like when you said in your questionnaire, you said I want to talk about a permanent state of longing. Yeah. I kind of got that. I, that really resonated with me because I think. What I think what you meant when I read when I went was like, we are so close to getting what we want in yes. terms of sexuality, in terms of our representation, in terms of relationships, but we're also so far out of reach. So tell me more about what you meant by that. Well, you know, I feel like when I think of longing, I think of like my first real memory that I felt it so like, it was so visceral was when I used to read Butt Magazine. Do you remember Butt Magazine? I was featured on in Butt Magazine, like, back in the day. Like, back in the, I don't remember how, but they were like, we want to do a feature on disability or whatever. Would you, like, take a naughty picture and we'll put it up? And so I said, sure. And they did a little, like, hey, this is Andrew. He's disabled and gay or whatever it was at the time. And so, yeah. I Love it. I do remember them. I miss them. I wish they were things, though. Me too. I, I love them, but I also would read their stuff and I would feel so defective because I literally would like read these like like essays about like 
this like hot janitor in Berlin who like has like sex parties all the time and like da 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 and I'd be like what <laughs> I'm literally in bed like listening to shoegaze in New York feeling so like disgusting and I'd be like wait how can everyone's like does everyone just live this exciting crazy gay life where they're just like one phone call away from an insane sex party in a dungeon somewhere that's really what it feels like uh, like go on go on anyone go on a gay Facebook for two minutes and that's literally what it feels like and I always feel like I'm I have constant queer FOMO because I'm like uh I don't <laughs> that's not part of my experience what I know I know it's like it's so funny I went out to dinner with two of um two of my good gay friends recently and I didn't I didn't know that they knew each other or whatever but they're like oh yeah we actually like had an orgy together once <laughs> lol like, I, and you're just like hey wait. where was I where was my number like here's yeah, let me start chattering like a clump of hair falls out because I'm just like wait like where's my invite and also by the way like I don't want to go to the orgy per se because that's like, not my journey really but I also feel like just want to be included oh, it's dude. this feeling of just it's my journey yeah. like I'll go to the orgy call it like give me <laughs> give me their numbers I will be there <laughs> I know well it's just it's just so it's like this kind of pervasive feeling I've always had where it's like I don't feel enough and I don't feel I feel like I talk about this in my show where I call them free scone people because it's like people that get the free scone at the bar- like the barista gives them the free scone because they're cute and it's like they go through life with a certain kind of ease like like you know you hear stories of like I just got stopped on the street by like a cute guy and we, we went to Palm Springs for the weekend and it's just like they're sort of like in terms of like gay men there's like this upper echelon of like gay men who just seem to kind of get everything they want sexually or like life it just opens up to them in this weird way that i cannot relate to yeah i feel that so so hard like i am right there with you because like i think that we're both attractive dudes we have lots going on for us like why the fuck aren't we being asked to palm springs for the weekend yes well that's the thing i also oscillate wildly because it's like i don't think i'm like fucking the gay babadook like it's like i like i feel like pretty good about i love how I don't, I'm not going to say how I know that title, but I like that you, I, I, there, no one's yeah. going to understand this is up for you and I, but nice shade. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but it's like, but it's, you know, it's, so it's like, I don't feel, it's just, it's just really, it always feels like this is the most cliche way to put it, but it's like, you're on the outside looking in and you just want to be invited. You want to be a part of this like gay inner circle. I, I mean, be I, where the people are. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I know. Right. <laughs> It's also like it's also this feeling, this larger feeling of like wanting to be sexualized, wanting to be objectified, wanting people to want me just from my body. Like you know what I mean? Like instead of like having to like win them over with my personality. And by the way, I say this as a person who's been in a really nice body. I've, oh, um, thank you. I've seen your body. I I saw that thing you did a couple years ago. And, oh yeah. And just to, since we're gonna talk about your body, you yeah. have cerebral palsy and you yes. are. An ambulatory cerebral palsy person, yes? Yes. So you have, like, mild hemiplegic CP, right? Yeah. Basically how it manifests is I just, like, I walk with a limp. and But also it's kind of complicated because I got hit by a car when I was 20, and I developed this thing called compartment syndrome. So I lost a lot of function in my left hand. And I, my left side was better than my right side. My right side is more affected by CP. So I went from having like a good side to having just like two mediocre sides. Very important question. Which hand do you jerk off with? Uh, my right. I used to jerk off with my left and then I got hit by a car and I had to learn how to jerk off with my right, which was, you know, that was hard. <laughs> I hope it was hard. That's a, t- yeah. that's a tough skill to, uh, to, to learn, to really yes, teach. Yes, especially you. You know, I'd been masturbating for a long time, and to switch it up like that, right? it was great. The switch hitter, I was. So, yeah. 
Anyway, no, but you have a nice body. Like I, I like I, I, you did a spread for something a couple years ago, and I remember seeing. It. I don't remember who it was for. It was for yeah, Bobby style like you. I had to strip for them or something. That's right, and they did a whole like spread of you. Possibly yeah. intended. They did a spread of you like stripping down, and yeah, I remember being like a tad jealous, but also like yeah, awesome like. What I like yeah. about you and your your and my relationship is when I first heard about you, there was like a definite of like what, someone mm. else is doing this. Fuck right yeah. off. No, no, this is yeah. my thing. Like, have you ever felt with other people that are doing the work we do? Like, why are you encroaching on my shit? <laughs> yeah, well, I think that as marginalized people, I feel like we're taught that there's only one seat at the table. So, like, when someone is taking a seat, you think they're taking your seat, and it's and it's not it's not our fault it's like what we've been ingrained to feel yeah. you know what I mean? totally. so i totally get that but i feel like i try but i also realize that that's society fucking with me and i try to like separate oh, and yeah. like, there's like there's all the seats and like we should lift each other up we should be supportive we should be on each other's laps we should be you know we should be totally like and i feel that so now like i have nothing but love for you because i think what you're doing is fantastic like i'm all for what it is that you do um yeah. I don't even remember what earnest the initial question, but so yeah, the thing about longing, I, I fully feel that with you. And I, I, you know, listen, listeners, anybody who wants to take me to Palm Springs or take me to New York or go on holiday to London, I'm down for that. Let's talk about accessibility things and I will whisk <laughs> away to figure it out, please. Um, well, it, the question actually came from, because this summer, you know, we shot my show this summer and I'm basically playing a more insecure, more damaged version of myself. And it was really interesting because I felt like inhabiting that space really brought up a lot of old feelings and I felt like I was becoming that person again. And it's like, I have like a lot of love interests in the show and I felt such a weird like whirlwind of shame around that where it's like, I felt like guilty that these guys were like getting paid to kiss me. Like I like thought that like, I remember being like, ew, like they're probably so bummed out that they have to kiss me tomorrow on set. Or like, I just felt so gross Do for having to- you need a love interest for season two? Because, hey. <laughs> well, all goes well. Hopefully my season, I think my season two love interest has panned out, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see Let if they- Let me know if there's like a weird breakup. <laughs> yeah, it's like like weird break. I know, right? Well, no, I mean, so it's like, I, but I, then I also felt like mad at myself for feeling that way. Cause it was just like, that's like a fucked up way to feel like I don't want, you know what I mean? And I, it's this weird thing where like, I feel these things and then I'm like, no, that's just like brainwashing that society, like separate, separate, but it's, it's hard. And it was really hard during the filming because I also felt like, and by the way, everyone I worked with was beyond lovely and so supportive and so generous. But I also like would get these like little crushes on them. And it was like, it's just very so weird. And my life, I have crushes on everybody all the time. I might be having a crush on you right now. I don't know. I'm not really sure I feel about any of that, but yes, yeah, like, I feel you. It's, it's interesting. And it's, it, but like, you know, it, I kind of compared it to like a 24 hour virus where I like get like a crush on them. <laughs> it was like, it literally was like a virus. Like I literally like, I think I like them. And then like the next day, like, Oh, LOL. And I think, like I talked to other actors because I had never acted before, and they're like, "Oh, that's completely normal because your brain's playing tricks on you. Like yeah, it's like it's, you're with the person, but you're not. You know what I mean?" Acting and it's like, yeah. So, the, but I'm what I'm really excited about for your show is that you are a you are a disabled lead. Who yes. Is, unlike you know the characters in Speechless and like the family comedy of ABC, you're you're <laughs> like, no, I'm I'm a disabled queer person and I'm a lead and I'm gonna be making out with dudes. Like that's. That's a big like I need. I think we all need to take a second to realize how how 
pivotally important that is because yeah. I have not seen a character like that on screen ever. So yeah. I have to like, as a fellow gimp, I I need to applaud that because holy shit. I hope you like it. I mean, I'm I'm honestly very nervous actually about the disabled community's reception because, um, you know, it's really hard when you're the first person to really tell this like to be the disabled lead, and it's like I feel like there's this pressure. As a storyteller, you can only tell about, talk about your experience. Like I would never try to speak for everyone's experience. That's impossible. Yeah. But I do feel like a weird amount of pressure. Like I hope that disabled people watch this and they feel supported and they feel excited. And but I'm also telling my I don't know it's interesting I, I wish that there was more opportunities so it wouldn't just be I wouldn't be the first I want there to be so many people and I want there to be so many diverse stories being told it's it's I don't know so any of Ryan's Hollywood friends who are listening hi my name's Andrew Gerza I could also do a <laughs> let me know yeah. like, hi. I will be his wheelchair fuck buddy for episode for like season three episode two let me know. Like, know. Like, like, I know, right? Deadline. Come on, come on. Like, but I, I just, I'm so proud of what you are trying to do, and I'm like, knowing you a little bit and talking with you about all the stuff, like, occasionally is just to know that you're trying really hard to put that out there. Like, what was that like when you, like, let's let's move to that for a minute. What was that like when you pitched that to like people? I mean, like, no, I want this to be a show. Like, what was the reaction of people who? Well, it was really interesting because we pitched it three years ago, which in woke Hollywood years is like fifty. Um, and so people were like really excited, but also my pitch was truly insane. Like I, like I pitched that in the pilot, like I shit on someone's dick. So like, honestly, I feel like I kind of like went a little too far. Like, like if I like, uh, no, okay. but though, because you wrote that, you wrote about that. Again, Cause I did, I know it's in the fucking book, but by the way, it's not in the show. I hate to break your heart, but it's not. In the show. I know we have a, we have another poop moment. There was only room for one. You know what I mean? There was. So, to backtrack, for anyone who's listening, it's like, what, are the, what the fuck are these two, like, queer cribble queens on about? So you you wrote a book a couple years yes. ago, and it was called... I'm Special and Other Lies We Tell Ourselves. And it was like, I want to say it was like a memoir-y type book. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And you kind of write about your life growing up as CP, growing up as queer, like, stories right. that you share well, about... It's how I came out as disabled because I, so basically what the show is about and what's in the book is that when I was 20 years old, I was hit by a car and it was very bad. And, um, and then I moved to New York and everyone assumed my limp was from my car accident. And I just bothered to, I just never corrected them. And so I threw cerebral palsy into a dumpster and started living life as an accident victim and thought I did this amazing life hack and was like, yeah, it's like, ah, I'm more relatable now. People understand. Like everyone can get by a car. And then obviously I was like, wait, I'm running from who I actually am and I have a limp. This is not going to be well. This is not going to be good. Um, so that's kind of what the show is about. But uh, but basically when, when I got uh, the book deal, it wasn't to write about my disability. It was to write just some boring bullshit, like millennial coffee table book. And I went to Simon & Schuster and I was like, I want to write about my cerebral palsy because I'd, I'd, I'd kept it locked inside. No one knew about it besides my friends that I grew up with, but I would never even talk about it with them. And I knew that it was like kind of not to be dramatic, but I kind of knew that it was like slowly killing me, like not talking about it. I also was like addicted to drugs, which was a whole fucking thing. So I kind of realized that this would kind of hold me accountable and force me to be honest about this big part of myself. And um, so I've really, it's weird. And so, I mean, I, I suffered from such intense 
internalized ableism. I, mean, I didn't have I didn't have the the like, like the dialogue or the vocabulary to even describe it. Like internalized ableism isn't even the book because I don't think I even knew what it was. But now it's so fucking crystal clear to me like what was going on, and I and I still suffer from it. It's not like a cure. It, you're not cured of it like one day. Like oh no no, I'm sitting with it all the time. I'm sitting with it right now as I talk to you. Like it's there all yeah. the time. It's it's. It's internalized ableism is there with you when you're naked with a boy. It's there with you when you're brushing your teeth. It's there. Like, okay. it's all the time. It's there all the time. So, like, I feel you. And it's scary to think that internalized ableism can be so strong and almost killed you. But it sounds like, like, it sounds like you had a BoJack Horseman, like, disability moment. Like, I feel like. I haven't, I haven't seen that show. I feel bad. What? Oh, I know. Throw me into TV jail. I understand. Everyone's obsessed with it. Everyone's like, you have to watch it. I know, I know. But what is the reference? What is the reference? Well, the, the, well, the character the character goes through, like, depression and goes through, takes pills and has all yeah. this stuff from, like, who are was... they? Like, yes. And, I mean, he's a horse. So, but if you, yeah. if you watch the show and you watch his journey it really seems to mirror kind of what you're saying about depression and trying to trying to deal with the fact that you were disabled, but P.S. Right. like no one knew. I mean, and they don't make any references to disability in that show, but like just having watched it, I'm there's definitely parallels to like hiding something and trying to be like he's an actor, he's in he's in L.A. and he's trying to do all this stuff, and like it just is really the show is really sad because it talks about his like journey trying to be okay with himself and he's not and so like if you watch it you'll definitely see parallels between your experience yeah i mean i should definitely watch it i mean i think when it came out about having cp which was when i was 28 when the book came out i thought naively that i was cured that i that i had basically solved all my problems and that i was now being honest about who i was 100 percent. so everything from now on was going to be amazing oh honey I know. So were, were we ever so naive? I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I always think about it like this. In your 20s, this is what it was like for me. In your 20s, a lot of traumatic things happen to you, but you don't have the emotional intelligence or room to deal with it. So I, I, I say you put it on the trauma credit card. And in your 30s, the trauma credit card bill collector comes and you have to pay that shit off. <laughs> yeah, yep. and, and it's like, holy shit. I mean, I also was celibate for 10 years, which was insanely damaging. I think that's probably the most damaging thing that I have ever done to myself was not have sex for when 10 years. Were you like choosing not to have sex because of disability and because of like... I, I just, yeah, I mean, it was like a perfect storm. Like basically it was so weird because I, you know, I came out of the closet. I actually got a boyfriend, lost my virginity. I actually weirdly dated a lot in high school and then college came and then nothing. And I would, I, I would have occasional boyfriends, but we would never fuck. Like we would hook up, but we would never fuck. So basically I think the... Oh. What, uh, yeah, it was just very sad. I mean, it was just like I was cutting off such a big, vital part of myself. I mean, it was why – I mean, I don't know. I think at a certain point I just became scared of it. I became so, so scared of it, and then I just let it go on for so long. And I feel like I'm still paying for that now because I'm in a happy, amazing relationship, but I'm also, like, using sex workers a lot in a way that feels oh, – yeah, we're going to go We're gonna go right to that. I'm, I'm... – Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ju- I'll jump right into my question. So what's awesome about that is that the other day I, and I'm going to be super open about it now because it happened the other day and my mom told me that I could. So here I am. Yes. Um, we, my, my mom and I were talking about something and I said, you know what, mom, I hired people for sex and I paused and she paused and there was like a moment of like, oh, did I just say that motherfucking, what do I do? And then she was like, oh, that's great. And I was like, hang on. 
What? What? You okay with that? I don't. Hold on. She's like, oh yeah, it's great. Look, she's like, she's like, look, sex is a great thing. You deserve to have it. And if you are paying for it and taking agency over it, that's amazing. And I like fell apart and started like ugly weeping because I was like, okay, great. Like, thanks so much. Like, okay. So it was a really like this moment of like we got to really bond over the fact that this was a part of my life that she wasn't gonna, she wasn't scared of. That's so awesome. You came out of the sex worker closet. <laughs> it was a big deal because on this podcast, like up until, well, up until right now, I uh, I had been alluding to the fact that I use sex workers and I may have like mentioned it off the cuff, but I never really sat down with it and was like, yo, guess what? Right. I put my hard earned dollars towards some dick when yes. I want to feel slutty and like when I want to, when I want to just enjoy sex with somebody and not have to worry about stuff. Like, of course. I, but to say that because of the shame and stigma is like really hard to get there. So anyway, I totally cut you off and you were going to go, you were going to. No, no I, I love that. And I think there should be more open discussions around people using sex work because I've been using sex work for the last four years. And again, I'm in a relationship and it's so interesting. The mindfuck of this whole thing is like, you think that being in a happy, loving relationship, which I am would somehow like negate the need for validation or for, for being desired. And it doesn't. And it's a bummer. I mean, I've had, I'm really actually, I have mixed feelings about my own relationship to using sex work, sex workers, because sometimes it's felt very empowering and great, but also other times it's felt compulsive and like addictive in a weird way. Yeah. I, I fully agree with that. Like, like I'm on a fixed income and I like, I, I make as much money as I can doing my consulting and doing my like talking and stuff. And, and I, you know, some of the money I'll use for that. But there are moments where I'm like, should I hire this person right now? Or should I pay for groceries? Which... Oh, well, honey, sex is its own nourishment. Right. <laughs> but wait, so do you use Rentman? Is that what you use? I do, yeah. Yeah, I love Rentman. Hey, Rentman, use... like, we can do ads for you. Like, let us know. <laughs> I use Rentman, but I also use this place called Rent Masseur because I get, like, I, I, like, mostly... First of all, I guess to be oh, clear, they massage the CP out of you and then they fuck you. Yeah, well, here's the thing: I I don't have them like fuck me, fuck me, because I'm just like I don't need that. I, whatever, like whatever. That to me, in a weird way, kind of just I don't know. I feel like mm, about so that. So there is there, there is a, a little boundary about like about like how far you'll go with like so. Okay, I'm gonna be blunt and ask you. So do oh. do you and your boyfriend fuck? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so that's what I thought. So, so there's like a boundary of like this is our thing. Yeah, I mean, he's never he's never put that boundary on me. He's actually very open and accepting and truly like a unicorn. Um, <laughs> Don't you love unicorns? One yes. of the sex workers that I fuck is a unicorn, and it's so much fun because it's like I don't have I'm not tied to you, but when you're here, I get to like. Let it all hang out, and then you get to leave, and I get to let me. We get to go back to our lives, but for the two hours we're together, it feels really fucking nice. Yes, of course, of course, definitely. I mean, again, I've had I've had such varying experiences though. Like I've had experiences that feel very good and very supportive, and then I've had others that feel like they're clear, like they're just clocking in and clocking out, which is fine. But the thing is, okay, why I say I have confident relations with it is that I feel like sometimes I'm doing it to get validation from someone. And I like, I know deep down, like I want the sex worker to fuck me. Like, like the goal to fuck is, me like I'm your boyfriend. Basically, or like, to like, yeah, like for, they would fuck me for free, which I know is psychotic and insane. Oh no, I've wanted that so hard. Like I'm going to lay it out. I had, a, I was working with a sex worker last year 
And he made me believe we were friends, and he made me believe it wasn't a sex worker client relationship, which is super dangerous. And if a sex worker like tries to do that to you, just run the, run the other way. Don't listen to them because they are trying to get more money out of you, and they are trying to play games, and that's not cool. The boundaries they set are really healthy because they yes. are trying to protect both you and them. So anyway, this person made me believe that we were like friends and we would do stuff outside of like the sex worker client relationship and we would go out to movies as friends. And then one day. And would, would he charge you for those or no? Well, that never happened because he disappeared. Oh, really? He just stopped talking to me and disappeared and he broke my heart because I was like, I thought we were more than just sex work. Like I went through a good six months of like, I am depressed I am upset because you just disappeared. So it's like, so now I really appreciate when a sex worker sets really clear boundaries about what it is we're doing. And like, I have, I have a, one of the sex workers that I work with, we have, we have a rule where like, I get, to, we get to text each other occasionally within the week and that's it. Like, but to get to that place, cause I was doing it, I was doing kind of the thing, the thing you were saying about like being kind of in love with this person and texting right. them way too much and being way too like, Okay, we're like together. Let's and, and he he one day had to text me back and be like, "No, we're not doing that. I have to tell you that like I work with you, but we're it's a working relationship, and we need to set a boundary right. here because I don't feel good anymore." And I was like, "Okay," like but that crushed me. I was like, immediately my internalized ableism like kicked in, and I was like, "Well, fine. Obviously, you don't like me because I'm disabled." Blah. And he was like, "It has nothing to do with that. You need right. to calm yourself." Yeah. Like. But it did take me a long time to, this is a boundary and that's okay. It's all right if, that somebody said it on you. Right. No, it is. And it's smart for them to do that. And it's in the long run smart for you as well. Uh, but it, it, it is always blurred lines for me. I mean, it's just, it's weird. And I, I want to get to, I just feel like the pervasive feeling I have is like, when will I feel like I'm enough? Like, when am I going to stop needing, like, the validation from strangers? And also, it's just crazy to want them to, like, want me and then get upset when it's transactional, when, of course, it's transactional. It's But then also, like, I'm allowed to go on Scruff and Grinder, but I, like, won't... But I hate, do... Scruff and Grinder make me want to barf a little bit. And I, like, I did work for Scruff and Grinder, and I, and I like, well, Grinder per se. Hi, Grinder. Hey, I did stuff for them, and I was happy to do it, but, like... I just don't like how those apps, like with a sex worker, it's a sure thing. If yeah. I put the money down and as long as I'm respectful and not a creeper, I'm generally right. going to get what I ask for. It, but with Scruff and Grinder, you don't know. Like you can go through the whole rigmarole of like, come over, let's hang out. And then they could disappear or block you. With Usually with a sex worker, it tends to be a sure thing. Yes. I mean, I think I'm so like paralyzed by rejection because I experienced it so much when I was younger that like it still scares me. Like even when I was shooting, like I, my boyfriend and I were apart for a long time and I was on Scruff and Grinder, And also like it was just exhausting, like the whole like conversation, sending pictures. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, it really ultimately just ended up being easier to hire a sex worker. It was like, I mean, right. L.A. Grinder. I was there when I did this thing for when I did the thing for Grinder. I was on Grinder in L.A. And, like, I would wake up at 7 a.m. to 25 messages of dudes' dicks being like, hey. And I was like, ew, could you, like, start with hello? Like, start yeah. with hey, what's that? Like, I was like, I'm not going to, first of all, no. Secondly, like, you don't know what I'm doing. No, like, no. So, so you meet people off Grinder. You don't do that. I mean, I listen, if somebody on Grindr who would, would take a moment to string a sentence together... That was yeah. outside of like, can I suck your dick right now and then leave you and never see you again? Sure, I would totally go out for coffee with somebody from Grindr. I totally would. I'm not saying I wouldn't. I'm saying the way 
people on those apps have forgotten how to be people, especially around disability. Like I, because I'm disabled, like I play with my my grinder and my scruff app names are like big dick crypt. Like I play with it and I'm totally like transparent about my thing. So guys will say like, show me your dick right away. And it's like, well, I would, but you have to woo me a little bit more than like, I'm a classy lady. Like, yeah. yeah. I basically eat it from Downton Abbey. Like I need to be, you got to give me something before I put it out. Well, have you, have you ever hooked up with someone from grinder? Have you ever done that? Has it, you mean, has it ever actually worked out? No. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. And for some reason, sex work doesn't feel as intense or whatever. No, what I love about sex work is that it's really, like, it's really simple. Like, you, you put it, you lay it out. I always, I always ask them for the number right away so I can phone them or text them and say, here's my deal. Here's what my reality is. Like, and my thing with them is like, hey, have you ever been with a disabled guy before? Did you want to be like... I also try to be really flirty because I want to, like, I, I much like you, I want the validation from the hot guy because I, right. never, I never had that and I've never had the hot guy. Like, basically what it sounds like we're both looking for in this in our sex work journey is, like, the guy from Palm Springs to take us away and have vacations, but also then we'd have to pay for it. Like, that's what we're looking right. for, but we're paying for it. So, like, I also want the validation of a hot guy to be like, to be like, yeah, I fucked you and it was a good time. Um... And so, yeah, with sex work, I find it really easy to be like, here's what my needs are. What do you think? Right. No, totally. I mean, I guess I'm just, for myself, I'm just frustrated that, I, again, I thought being in a loving relationship would take the edge off of some of this longing. And it doesn't, really. It feels like a separate thing. I don't know. It's like, it's, it's weird. disability. Like, yeah, and because we're only in our thirties, so like disability is, you know, it's really like, and we've we were also told when we were kids, like you're not gonna live past X year, so at least I was, you're not gonna live past like X time, so yeah. like you're probably looking for, and I would guess you're looking for like validation because you've been told you're not worthy enough, so you don't have a lot of time to like find that. Yeah, I mean, probably that's part of it. It's so funny. Like, I never got the, like, you're going to live till this age, but I went, did go to a doctor recently, like a year ago, and I was like, so what's the deal with CP? Like, they're like, well, they're like, you're going to, like, you, like, your lifeline is fine. Like, you're going to live a normal life, but you do typically age 20 years. Like, basically, I'm 32, and I have the body of, like, a 52-year-old. Like, 52 um, Again, you have a pretty hot, nerdy body, so, like... <laughs> But like no, I mean, but like it's like I'm like, what? I didn't know this. Like <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Can like, I start calling you daddy then? I mean, if if hello, I have a sweatshirt named Dad, so maybe this is my final form. <laughs> it, like it's just so interesting. I didn't know. I mean, I still am like pretty ignorant, I guess, when it comes to my own disability. And I mean, I take care of myself and I work out and I do all that stuff, which is like, very empowering for me. Um, but yeah, there's still, I don't know. There's still a lot of like unanswered questions and I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. It's, I mean, it's tough because like, I am pro- like the doctors have told me like you might, there, you might only live to like X year and it's right. like, oh, <laughs> like that's a bit scary, but all right. Like, but there's also the, so much the medical community doesn't know about CP, like because it's a childhood disability 
that they tend to champion it only when you're a child. When you're an adult, they're like, oh, you have that thing that kids have? Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, that's true. You get you get kind of dumped after, like, age 50. Because I, I went for just a checkup because I like to go once a year being like, hey, how's my CP looking? Like, da-da-da-da. And it's like they kind of are like, well, if it's not giving you problems, you don't need to come. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to make sure that there isn't problems. Like, that's that, why I'm that here. That there won't be in, like, six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, totally, totally. Um, Wait, so weird. <laughs> um, so you mentioned earlier that your character is like a more fucked up kind of insecure version of you. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that sounds like it was. Was that fun to play, or did that was that like? Hard no, to it was not fun. It was like I was like acting out my trauma. Like, it was like not. I mean, look, I'm happy I did it, and I'm very like proud of it. And um, but it was I didn't expect it to be so emotional, and it was. It was very very emotional. And again, I was occupying a headspace that to me, I thought I had outgrown, but, but being in that headspace again, I felt myself like backsliding into old behaviors. It was weird. It was just like, again, like, like it, I just felt like I was becoming that character when the camera was like yelling Kai. It was just, it was strange. It was just a very strange experience and I'm happy I did it, but it was a troll psychologically. And <laughs> did you produce with like awesome people? Like, was it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Jim Parsons is a producer. Um, and he's, oh, good. That still worked out because I remember we had talked like yeah. a, a while ago about him being involved, and then I we I wasn't sure what was happening with that. So I'm glad that that happened. Yeah, he's still involved, and he's in total sweetie. And my director was amazing. I mean, really, it was like a set full of girls and gay men, which I like. That's all I want. Like, that's literally, my like, dream. That's literally. Yeah. like, Can we do a photo shoot with that with that demographic? And I would be like best friends with disabled yeah. gay men and their girlfriends. Like, I would be. Therefore, it's so hard. Incredible. Yeah, like, there was literally only one straight guy in the cast. Like, and, and I called him the diversity hire. I was like, here you go. Did you get to kiss him? No. Oh, my God. He played my mom's boyfriend. So, I was like, that would have been a little weird. Just a tad. Yeah, that would. Unless you're into daddy things, which I totes am. Season five, when we jump the shark, that's what I'll end up doing. I'm, uh, I'm there for that. Yeah, exactly. Just a little romance. Um, but no, it was just, and I had an amazing, badass female director. And like I said, like my, I told my producers I wasn't going to meet with any straight directors um, because I felt like uh, straight man directors, in order for you to really understand the story and empathize, I felt like you had to experience some kind of marginalization. Oh, totally. Um, you had to be on the other, on the outside looking in. Like, yes, yes. And then the, the, the people, the gay characters, like the love interest, it was really important that we hire gay actors um, because... I'm so curious. Who did you hire? Uh, Brian Jordan Alvarez is in it. Do you know him? He did... Um, yes. Caleb... Oh, fucking amazing. He, that, that's so awesome. Yeah, he, he's incredible. He's incredible. He did the gay, uh, fabulous life of Caleb Gallo, right? Yeah, no, he was great. Actually, it's so funny because when I worked on Will and Grace, I showed the writers' room that show like the first week we were in the room. I was like, "Here, like, watch this thing. It's incredible." And my my showrunners fell in love with him, and now he's on Will and Grace. So it just it all it's all it's, it's a nice gay circle that went around. Yes, well, I like to give like gay people jobs because they're super talented and crazy. Like, and I feel like I know a lot of gay actors who are just like, not getting the same opportunities as like their straight counterparts, and it's like frustrating and you're just like hello they, they should be a movie star by now right you know? um hey yeah. so i'm gonna go off on a question that i did not write down because it just popped in my head right now didn't you have a podcast don't you don't you have a podcast for a while right now 
Oh, I did. I had this podcast named um, Babe with my friend Laura, um, and then I kind of just stopped doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Laura does it now just herself, and it's still super funny. I mean, I I just went off to film the show, and so I was gone all summer, and it just felt like a kind of natural end point. And it it was like pop culture, right? It was like... It was sort of. It was just sort of, yes, talking about whatever. <laughs> like, it was like us checking in on people. Like, Babe became this kind of, like, phrase of, like, checking in on people who we felt like were acting a little weird, like, on the emotional edge. We'd oh, be like, like, are you good, Babe? Are you good? Are you, uh, Babe, are you okay? <laughs> uh, so it kind of came to that. We talked pretty candidly about our experiences and stuff like that. So it was super fun. Yeah, it was really good. Still, it's still happening. So check it out. That's awesome. I'll definitely, I'll definitely get on it because I saw it when it, I saw it when you were like producing it, but I never clicked play because it's yeah. weird because I produce a podcast and I'm always like, do I want to listen to like another one and see how I'm not doing it? Like, like ten thousand podcasts. I feel like you have so many. Well, I've downsized because I had two, and then okay. that, and then one. That I created, nobody was listening to it, so I was like, "Oh." So wait, was that the one about being like a disabled child? Was I, that okay? I did one episode which I fucking love, which I loved. No one listened to it mainstream. So what I'm doing for everyone listening is I'm going to turn it into a Patreon supported part of this show because mm-hmm. then people can still hear it, and I don't have to do two right. at once. Yes, that's good. That's good. I mean, I love that concept because it's like. I feel like childhood is when your disability really takes center stage, like yeah. in a real way, and it's like your whole life. I mean, it was like that for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I, I read your book, and like there are some moments, like one of the moments in your book that I love so much. And if anybody hasn't read it, like pick it up right now in all the places because uh, it's really good. Uh, but I love the part where you talk about poo. <laughs> Look at oh. that. I love it so much. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like it's definitely a theme. <laughs> <laughs> disability is a big theme. So, it's a big theme. I remember when you first just started out. You were writing a like a, your writing was really you were out there. You laid it out for me like really clearly. But like, I'm gay. I like sex. Here's the deal. No, no, no. And you like you there were a few pieces that I was like, wow, you really went there. Um, yeah. And you mentioned a few minutes ago like you you weren't really having a lot of sex. Were you were you writing those pieces kind of like to be like to try to figure out your queer identity in those pieces? Well, I, I, are you talking about the ones I used to write for Thought Catalog and stuff? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, you know, it's so interesting. I mean, the things I talked about in Thought Catalog all really happened to me, but I think, like, I think, like, with everyone, it's, like, you take, like, six sex stories and you tell them and you make it seem like you're someone who has a lot of sex. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, I was, still, I was still hooking up a little bit, but it was, like, pretty bare bones. Um, but I think that that was, like, kind of more, like... My my essays and thought catalog, it's so funny. I mean, I haven't read any of them in so long, but I feel like it was like probably a curated version of myself. You know what I mean? Because I was not, I mean, I can't even imagine. It's so interesting how I even wrote that much without talking about my disability. Like, that's how insane, like, it was just cut off. Like, I just didn't even. And it's so funny. When I knew you were disabled, even when I read those pieces, I, like, pictured a disabled person, like, in that scenario, even though you weren't putting that as a, as a like piece in the piece, I was like, oh yeah, he's talking about disability here. And it's like, you, if you read the piece knowing you're disabled, there are little moments where you're like, oh, he's definitely talking about disability there. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure. It's like, oh my God, I have not revisited those that stuff in so long, but I'm sure that's part of it for sure. I, but it's so, it's so, I don't know, that, that time in my life was just so painful. Like it's a kind of, well, I don't even like going to New York because it just feels like a bad 
bad trip down memory lane. So I just try not to even, ugh, I don't know. It makes me feel uncomfortable or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. It's all good though. You're, you're, things are, things are, things are looking so up for you and I'm excited to see what, what, what comes. Um, See, yeah, I'm just really, I'm just really, what I care most about is disabled people's reactions to the show. That's really, I really hope that they love it. I do. And I hope that it sparks some discussion around disability and, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I, I hope that it just takes it into the mainstream and we can start having these fucking conversations, which are so overdue. Ugh. That's why this podcast is out there in the world, folks. Um, well, you're fucking doing it, but it's like, we, like, there's only like, we can only do so much. There's only two of us. I know. There's a woman a bit, and well, a bit too. Okay, so battle call to all the sex educators and all the people that are doing this stuff, kind of in their own communities. Put it on social media. Put it out there. Let us see it, so we yeah. can retweet it, so the people's eyes can get on it. I think, I think what you're doing is so key. But I th- and I love that you want to use your platform to raise other voices, because so do I. Like, we, I understand my privilege, and I understand that I'm a white cisgender. Like, yeah disabled person who has the privilege of speech like i want to say to anybody who doesn't have my privileges like let me work with you to give to like use my voice to amplify your stuff because we need more diversity in this sphere and i think that we both could help people with that yeah i mean i feel i feel guilty because i feel like i'm so out of the loop with like disability culture like I just I mean obviously I follow you and all the work that you do and I love it but I'm not actually involved in like a larger disability community I mean I know there must be one I just I don't know go I don't on Twitter okay suggestion go on Twitter and type in hashtag disability and the whole world will open up for you like you will oh, good okay okay I do you follow that writer Kia Brown I she do. did this Kia was on the podcast episode 33 Oh, love. I love her, and I can't wait for her book. Oh, her so, book's going to be incredible. Kia, send me a, send me an early copy. I'm yes. <laughs> so excited for you. Um, Ryan O'Connell, though, I have one few more questions. Tell me about, like, your views on Bring It's Okay. We talked about the show, which is great. How do you feel about, aside from the pressure of, like, being the mainstream lead on this show, mm-hmm. how, how do you feel about, like, sex and disability in pop culture? Like... Do you, in what are the other arenas do you want to see it? How, what are your other, what other thoughts do you have on that? Well, I mean, I feel like there's, sex and disability in pop culture, like, there's nothing, assuming. Like, <laughs> like where are you seeing, like, I mean, like, this, the lack of representation is very frustrating. I don't know. I mean, there is a sex scene in my show, and I was like, I was so protective over it because I wanted to get it exactly right. And I just wanted, like, I... I want, it's so weird. I feel like I want to push the envelope even further and do, you know what I mean? It's sort of like, I want to like force people to look at us and acknowledge that we are <laughs> sexual beings. And I, if, if that means like jamming it down their throat, I don't mind. <laughs> you're jamming down my throat? I'm, I'm here for it. Let me know. Uh, I will be your service bottom. Um, <laughs> uh, this is such an amazing conversation. You're, I'm so proud of what you do. I am here for Thank it. You. Like. Thank- same. I'm here for all the things. How do people get a hold of you? Um. Oh, like on uh, Twitter, uh, my handle is Ryan Ocon. That's Ryan and then O C O N N. Um, Instagram, same handle, and that's pretty much it. I like don't even do the internet that much anymore. I feel so overwhelmed by everything. Like, you know what I mean? It's just a it's a dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's memes about Trump and like. 
sat and like then instigates being like buy my shit and here join my OnlyFans. Like I really I know, I know. But then also like and this is like a dark side of like wokeness that I've seen just like in LA where it's like I feel like there's like wokeness is now like a competition and it's like an opportunity to like shame people and feel more morally superior and like I'll know these people like in real life and I'm like, are you kidding me? They're just like a narcissist who like want likes and attention. Like it's not real. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like, so that's like a little disturbing, like new thing that we're dealing with. <laughs> no, social media is a joy, especially being to say like, and you know, you'll see when the show comes out, like you'll see I'm, I'm fingers crossed. Everybody listening to my show right now, send Ryan's show a million likes when it comes out, because you know, the minute your show comes out on Netflix and people who are not us start yeah. watching it, where you're going to get fucking ableism, like, everywhere because it, like I'm sure. I'm sure yeah i know i'm a little nervous about that i've been like living in my own bubble for a very long time and it's interesting to like, see how people did, take it. did you sit in the writer's room with your writers and be like here's what ableism is please be ready for it well i actually wrote all the episodes myself so I, that was good i didn't have to explain that to anyone <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like we only have eight episodes and so there's so much further because the whole, the whole first episode, the season is around him being an accident victim now and not dealing with the CP. So it's like, and it catches up with him, but there's for season two, I want to dive even deeper into his dis- disabled identity and all that stuff. So, Hey, if you need a consultant, like, Hey, that's honey. Yes. 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 I'm actually really curious to see, hear your thoughts on, um, Dis, dis, um, dis, disability fetishists, people who fetishize disability. Oh. What is on that? I've never had that, but I'm curious about it. Well, I mean, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Uh, I like, I fetishize myself to a point. I'm, I'm like I said on Grinder, I'm, I'm big dick crip. Like, right. I think to a point, it's sexy. Like, yeah. to a point, it's funny. To a point, it's safe. If there's a point where you are taking it and you're making me more disabled for your weird twisted enjoyment then i have a problem with it right so you have been fetishized before oh i fed i have been and i fetishized myself and i've like i've played within that realm and i think it can be really hot like i've i'll basically i'll I'll say to a guy like hey want to touch my big joystick like it's ridiculous and silly but it's a necessary part of like i think for you when you're going on those grinder dates like i would like you have a bit of a limp and a bit of a a bit of a cp gate so like why not play with that why not like that's interesting. I've never done that before, but I'm kind of like into it. Because I mean, I feel like my whole life has always been like, I'm part of the able body group, like da da da, which is so poisonous and it's like caused me a lot of pain. And so it's like embracing my disability is so interesting to me and I'm like kind of into it. It's definitely like a new chapter. Oh, yeah, no. Let me help you write that chapter because you'll, I think, like, again, type, go, in, go on Twitter and type in disability and your world will like change. Wow. Um, I mean, but. Oh. You are such a gem. I'm so like, and I'm so happy we did this. And like, thank you so much for supporting all the things I do. I, I'm just, it's great. And I love yeah. how this this conversation, like, I love how it kind of just evolved into like, let's just have a chat. And I don't know what the fuck the questions were. Like that that was really nice. Yeah, of course. Duh. I mean, it's just nice to to talk to someone who. Well, okay. So another disturbing part of this whole thing is like we're doing a screening of the show on Monday in LA. And um, my producer was like, do you have any disabled people that you'd like to invite? And I was like, wait, I don't think I know any disabled people. And I'm like, uh, oh, I, know, I, know. I know like three. I give you their names right now. Okay. Um, Eva Sweeney. She works on, she slash they work on, uh, work on Speechless. They would, she would love to be there. Oh, that would um, be 
incredible. Can you give me her information? I can, I'll tweet you her stuff. Okay, tweet me her stuff. Because she's good people. I'm thinking, uh, who else I know? I'll look around, I'll look around my Facebook and I'll see because... Because I was, I'm friendly with Carrie Wade, but then she moved to D.C. because, you know, obviously she... I mean, Carrie Wade's my girl! Love her. Like, can we be, all of us, can we be like a throuple together? Because, like, shit! She's really, really incredible. She's she's, my person. Yeah, she's great. But that Eva Sweeney girl, that's a, that seems amazing. She, she's the consultant on Speechless. Yeah, she's the, she was one of the key people that helped form that character. You know what? I feel bad because I feel like I don't want to shit talk Speechless because I think it's still really great that it exists and all that stuff. And by the way, it's not entirely – it's also a very frustrating thing where I bet the pool of disabled writers is pretty small because disabled people are not empowered to go after these jobs. And so – they like the, so the people pool. are not empowered to go after jobs. Period. Yeah, exactly. And I like so it's like I understand it's a little bit of a catch twenty two because it's like I mean I personally don't think that people think to even include our voices. Like I don't no. think that's even for mine. But but it's like but I wish that there were more people that you could hire who you know were TV writers, whatever. And it's like I feel like there's just not. I think there's a small pool. Well, so that's why what you're doing is so like that's why what you're doing and like coming out as a lead on a show is fucking incredible. Although I, I would be curious to know like the difference because you're, you're ambulatory. I l- yeah. would be curious to see the reaction. If like I wheeled in and was like, Hey, I want to be the lead. They'd be like, Ooh. Well, yeah, I, t- I talk about, I tweeted that and we talked to, on Twitter about it where it's like, I'm very, very aware of my fucking privilege. And I, I, I always call myself like the fun, flirty, digestible app of disability. <laughs> that was it's so like, fun. And I was like, which one am I? <laughs> honey, a delish entree. But like, like, like it's, I understand that like I am intro to disability because it's like, I sort of present like I'm just like, like the able body, but I'm also, I have a limp. Like, da, da, da. So it's like, I am like, I, it's like easy for them to be like, oh, okay. It's just, I understand that I have immense privilege and I'm not surprised that I'm the first person to really do this. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't shock me. I'm like a cisgendered white male who has a mild disability. And I just want to move beyond that. And I want to, ha- again, I want more fucking seats at the goddamn table. Let's That's what I want. Let's build their own table. Fuck the seats. Let's build uh, their own. Seen this close. It's on Sundance now. It's um, with... Um, I heard about it. It's from a deaf guy about being gay, right? Josh Feldman, he's incredible, and the show is incredible, and I'm so proud of him. And he's doing amazing work, and his, uh, his so they deserve major fucking props for bring representation Such for sure. Props. Anyway, this conversation is going to devolve into us, us being best friends. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it before the audience is like, this is super boring for us now. Yeah, they're like, uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, that was cool, Andrew. Thanks, but stop talking now. So Ryan O'Connell, one more time, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, Ryan O'Con, uh, Instagram, Twitter. That's basically it. <laughs> You're fantastic. And the minute I hit off, we'll keep talking because I want to try to get an a, I want to try to get an early copy of your shit because I want to see it. Um, yeah. Yes. 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 For uh, sure. But I, I love you. You're a gem, and we'll talk, we'll talk soon. All right, smooch, babe. Well, there you have it, folks. That's my interview with my good friend Ryan O'Connell, all about his work, his new show, Sex and Disability. He's good people, and you should all follow him. He, I will make sure that his uh, info is in our show notes because he's somebody you should be paying attention to as this show comes out, and you should also be paying attention to. Uh, just more disabled people doing creative stuff. On that note, if you're a disabled person who's queer and you want a guest on this show, 
I want you on this show. So if you want to write a minisode, if you want to be a guest, if you want to do, if you have show ideas for me to do research about, if you want to guest on when I was a disabled kid with the Patreon, let me know at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and let's get the show raring to go. I would love to have more guests. I want more perspectives. I want to speak. I'm going to put this call out directly. I want to speak with more queer and non-binary identifying um, people, particularly female identified people, talking about queer, lesbian, disabled sex. Because I haven't had enough of that and I want to sit down and talk with somebody pretty explicitly about that as long as they're comfortable but i want to have those conversations so um come on the show disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and um other than that here's the outro that you usually hear but thanks for listening bye all right so that's another episode of disability after dark the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following DisAftDarkPod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash cripple content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment, you help me make a living doing this thing, you help support content made but made by and for people with disabilities, so I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time, right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright, Crippled Content Creations, 2018.